I've been there six and a half years. I bet we've had 50 plus acquisitions of various sizes in that, in that period. And we are known as, uh, as a, a serial acquirer for making good deals and for integrating them well. Welcome to the Inspire Podcast, where we examine what it takes to intentionally inspire. I'm your host, Bart Egnall, President and CEO of The Humphrey Group. And if you've ever asked yourself, how can you develop an authentic leadership presence? Or how can you tell stories that have people hanging off every word? Well, then this podcast is for you. And it's not just for executives. This is a podcast for anyone who wants to influence and inspire others in their work, but also in their life. Hi, and welcome back to the Inspire Podcast. Peter Drucker once said that culture eats strategy for breakfast. That might be a bit of an exaggeration, but there is no doubt in my mind that culture matters. The bigger question is, how do you create culture? To me, it all starts with values. Earlier this year, practicing when I preach, we took the entire team at the Humphrey Group to Arizona and spent a couple days tackling the values that we wanted to work with and live by as we pursued our mission. Part of the inspiration for that trip was the conversation that you'll hear today with Cam Hicks. Cam is the Corporate Vice President of Human Resources and Communications at Teleflex. Teleflex is a global provider of medical technologies designed to improve the health and quality of people's lives. And it's a huge company. Their products are used on 6,000 patients per day in the ICU, and over 31,000 surgical procedures are performed daily using the products they make. It has successfully grown the top line over the last number of years, and its annual revenue now stands at $2.5 billion. Part of this growth has been done through acquisition. They've acquired over 50 companies in the last six years, and the result is that today, Teleflex is the fastest growing medtech company of its size worldwide. All this growth has come uh, with incredible performance in the share price. And in fact, it's uh, grown by 250% in the last five years. What impresses me about Teleflex uh, is not just this performance, but the fact that they've done it all with the intention of having clear values that govern everything that they do and that they use these values as a competitive advantage. These values, which were formed by the people around the world, and you'll hear from Cam today how that came to be, shape whom they hire, what companies they acquire, and how they integrate these acquisitions, and perhaps most importantly, how they lead through challenging times with courage. Cam joins me to talk about this process and shed some light on values and why they are perhaps the secret weapon for Teleflex's success. If you lead a team, a company, or simply believe in culture, I know you're going to enjoy this conversation. Cam, welcome to Toronto and welcome to the Inspire podcast. It's great to be here. So you are, so I'm doing justice to your, to your role, you are the Vice President of Global Human Resources and Communications at Teleflex. Right. And how long have you held that role? I've been with the company now for, it's about six and a half years. Yeah. Well, the reason I wanted to have you on is to talk about values. And, you know, values, if you've spent any time in the corporate world, and I'm referring to the people listening and to my clients, you know, the, the topic of values comes up. And I've certainly seen it be something along with, you know, having a vision, having a mission, having strategies that companies are increasingly committed to articulating, mm-hmm. that we have this set of values, we live these values. 
often without, you know, there are inconsistent levels of success in doing that. But I think when companies get it right, it really shapes the culture in very powerful ways. And I know from talking with you, that is absolutely the case with Teleflex. So I thought, you know, for anyone who leads a team, whether you may not lead a company, but if you lead a team, the ability to define those values and articulate them is really crucial. Yeah. Well, I guess a couple of things I could share on that, Bart. Uh, I think you're you're absolutely right. And the values of Teleflex is a big reason why I, I joined the company. As, as you say, I'd never, I'd never heard of the company before. I had not set foot in any of the facilities. But I did know the, the chairman and CEO of the company at the time, uh, Benson Smith. He's now our, our non-executive chair of the board. And I knew of his character. We had a, a mutual connection. I knew of, as, a, as an industrial psychologist I've worked with for many years, he, he describes the fabric of a person. And I had a sense of the fabric of, of Benson and then had opportunity to talk with, with some of the members of the executive team, including uh, Liam Kelly, who is now our, our, our CEO. He took over uh, almost two years ago. And so it was really that fabric of the leadership and the values that they personally had have and the values that they uh, shared and that I have uh, since come to see throughout mm-hmm. Teleflex is really what, what drew me. I'd spent my whole career in life sciences. Mm-hmm. This is my first time in medical devices, but it, w- it was the values that, uh, that drew me in. And then, as you say, there's been a number of things that were in place and that we have put in place since then to really make sure that the values of the company are something that uh, remain core to who, and, uh, who we are and how we operate. And how, how would you define a value? <laughs> How we articulated it, the process that we went, went through, was to say, what are the things that are important to us as a company? And so, actually, it was a conversation that began over in Europe with our, our European colleagues. And this was about uh, probably seven, seven years ago that uh, conversation uh, was commenced because we were a company that had come together through acquisitions over the years. And we thought we should um, have some articulation of what, is, what are the ties that bind us all? What are, the, what are the values? And so the conversation that we had was to say, what are the values that we bring as people? And what are those elements that are common that we would say then sh- should be part of how we collectively operate? And that we want to make sure we pay attention to so that as we bring in other people to the company or acquire companies, that we make sure that there is a values congruence. So we asked the question, what are the things that are important to us as individuals and on an aggregate basis for us as a company? And we came up with four values that that came back from from those conversations. Entrepreneurial spirit, building trust, make it fun, and people at the center of all we do. So those are the, the values that, again, we're not driven from our corporate office uh, they, they came out of conversations with our employees that began in Europe, and then we, we took it on a global basis and, and did it thoughtfully over about a two-year period. How many people were involved in creating the aggregate that led to these four? Yeah, I, so some of this began before I joined the company, Bart, but I, I suspect um, if we were to look at that activity that predated me and then the work that we did in North America and elsewhere since, we would have had... Uh, several thousand people. Wow, that were involved. Oh, so this in wasn't just a group of you know ten executives. No, no, it wasn't. What Amazing. we did, yeah, we had a, we had an external consultant that kind of helped us with the framework of the conversations, 
And then um, it did start with our core leadership team, mm -hmm. but then we took those leaders and our HR uh, business partners mm -hmm. around the world, then took that conversation and expanded it into mm -hmm. our, our, uh, the rest of our employee base. Because that, that's really fascinating because when you mentioned Benson Smith, whom you'd known, you said, you know, this was an individual whose values had been clear to you and where you had really come to respect him and, the fa as you said, the fabric of the person. And so one of the things I was interested in knowing from you, and, and you're getting into it here, is, well, what is, you know, that's one person yeah. who represents, you know, a significant leadership role. But how do you craft values that reflect the whole company? And where's the balance where, where there are discrepancies? Yeah, well, it's probably as much art as science, and, and every organization would need to have, a, a you know, their own thoughtful way to, to do right. that. As I say, for us, we began with a conversation with our core leaders and then expanded it. And so then there were some kind of checks and balances. So if we were finding that as we got deeper in the organization, the, the values, the, the, the pieces that folks that were important to folks were very different mm -hmm. uh, than our, our leaders, then we would have the conversation to say, okay, well, what's, what's the reasoning behind those differences? And, and so it was thoughtful. Um, and as I say, it, it, I don't know whether the values that I just shared were exactly how it was when we had our first conversation right. that wasn't not. there at the probably time. Probably not. Probably yeah. not. Um, so I think it was an iterative process, mm -hmm. but it was not just the folks at the top. Mm -hmm. Because I, again, I think, I think where organizations have failed on this journey is, as in my experience, is where it has just been a couple of people at yes. the top or the values get articulated and then are not thoughtfully uh, fostered mm. throughout the whole company mm. because, you know, the, it's the whole company that needs to... Right, they can't just be imposed on the organization. Exactly, mm -hmm. exactly. So, but it takes time. As I say, it was a couple a of years for us. A couple so. of years, wow. Were there moments when you went through this process where you kind of almost had to confront some cognitive dissonance where you had... You know, one group who, for example, was committed to trust, and another group, you know, just kind of uh, coming up with an idea here, said it's all about the profit or something. You know, where there was this clash. Yeah, um, I don't recall those sorts of moments. I would say that we there were moments where people would kind of look at it and say, "I don't really, I don't really know what that means." Hmm. And so they, they seem to be we, platitudes. Yeah, and right. so we, then we would kind of get into, okay, so what are the sort of behaviors? you know, that would reflect that core value. And then as, as we started to get into that, then I think people could see, oh yeah, okay, that makes, that makes sense. And, and again, some of this is a reflection of who we are today, and some of this is aspirational, right? right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and so I think in, in that sense, you know, we haven't fully arrived uh, at the kind of company that we want to be. Mm -hmm. But it is, I think we have a, a, an excellent foundation and we are committed to continuing to, to get better. Mm -hmm. So yeah, are there times when we have, have the, the conversations around, well, make it fun would be an example. Right. Right, so uh, that can mean different things for different people. And so- uh, One person's fun is another's misery. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, and some people will say, well, we should be having, you know, uh, fun events, that's what that means. And we say, well, actually, no, it, it means that we want to be able to infuse our work, how we operate every day with an element of enjoyment. So, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily call that dissonance in the organization, but they are conversations to, mm -hmm. to sort of uh, clarify some of the behaviors. And, and what I'm hearing is that 
they, this is an ongoing conversation. Everyone's having, everyone's talking about the values. Everyone's interpreting them through the lens of the work on a yeah. regular basis. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I think that's yeah. right. Yeah. And, the, and another thing. So let's turn to what what you use them for. So you went through this process. You spent a couple of years. You codify them. You define the behaviors that reflected. And now I know you really consider these values to be a corporate enabler. And we've talked about a number of areas uh, like M and A. You know how you empower people on strategy, even succession, and, and your CSR. Take me into a few of these as to how you actually use these to achieve your corporate goals. Yeah. So, I think the, the what I would start with is just our, our decentralized uh, way of operating, okay. which to me is is reflective of of the entrepreneurial spirit core value. We really try to keep um, as much decision making as possible close to the customer, close which, to our operations. Which makes sense. I mean, you're, you operate in how many countries? Yeah, well, we, we operate and sell into about 150 countries. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's quite a reach. Mm-hmm. Our corporate office is about 100 people. Uh, we have over 15,000 employees. 100 people, that's negligible. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, a, it's pretty small by design. That is how we operate, mm-hmm. and, and we really uh, resist because, yeah, again, there can be some natural tendency to say, well, we need to, you know, you need to build up the corporate resources. Uh, there can be, in a lot of organizations, I think, a propensity to centralize decision-making. We, we really work hard to keep that ownership as close as possible to the business and to the customer. And, and I, can, I can remember uh, when I first arrived at the company and, and was sitting in uh, a business review was, uh, I guess, the, f- the first part of the first uh, or the first quarter of 2013. And any of the businesses that were ex- already experiencing some challenges in their, in their uh, outlook for the year in past companies that I've been in, you know, the corporate office was the one that really had to kind of pound people right. to say, you know, you got to get it back in line. I was amazed. Uh, the business leaders were coming with, here's what we're going to do. Here are the steps we've already taken. Here's, here's how we're going to, you know, recoup some of the, the misses in, in kind of Q2, Q3. It was very striking for me. So, so that to me is, is one of the, the ways that we make our core values real is just how we operate um, uh, from that perspective. M&A. Uh, is is another example. We we have a reputation, uh, <laughs> and as our CEO likes to say, you know, you, you don't like to to say you're a serial anything, right. uh, but we we would be a serial acquirer. You bought we, the odd company. We have bought the odd company. I think we've had. I've been there six and a half years. I bet we've had fifty plus acquisitions of various sizes in that in that period. And we are known as uh, as a, a serial acquirer for making good deals. And for integrating them well, because what I've seen the statistic that typical M and A is like a seventy percent failure rate. Exactly. Yeah, I think most most uh, fail to to uh, to generate the the return on, on on capital. We've we have that has not been our experience. In fact, we are we are sought out as an acquirer by companies looking to, uh, to to join us. And one of the things that we do is really take a hard look at that core values congruence. Um, so you're looking to see. Would this organization's values meld with ours? Exactly, and in fact, uh, one of our acquisitions, we've had, we had two billion dollar deals in 2017. One of those, which was a particularly exciting acquisition for us, a company called Neotract, based out in California. If you if you read anything about us right now, you will see Neotract uh, and their Eurolift product. It's a, it's a product in men's health uh, dealing with uh, enlarged prostates, but a very very successful company uh, that we acquired. 
they had a number of options that they were considering, IPO, other strategic buyers, et cetera. They were likewise evaluating us on our core values. And in fact, they're in the diligence process. Their management team came and met with us and I and the rest of, of our leaders shared with them exactly the conversation we're having now. Here's who we are as a company because they wanted to make sure that uh, the company that they were gonna be uh, joining, if they went that route, was going to have the, the kind of values that would allow them to continue uh, with the success that they had had pre-acquisition. So, and did uh, they share their values with they you? They did, they did. And in fact, when we, we, we did a map up and, and as I, I mentioned earlier about our core value of make it fun, they were particularly struck by that because huh. that's one of their core values oh, wow. as well, which that's is kind of sign. unusual. So, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we had to write the check. Yeah, so course, it's yeah. not, you know, everything else had to align. But I can tell you, and in, in, our, in our work with, with that uh, team and the employees that joined us in 2017 through NeoTrack, the core values alignment was a big part of why they chose to be acquired by Teleflex. Hmm. Have you gone through M&A where you've seen a, a potential deal where all the numbers made sense, but the values didn't? You know, it's never... In m a in my experience, it's never any one thing, right? right? So I, I can't look you in the eye and say, you know, everything else lined up and the core values was off, so we walked away. I, do, I can tell you that there were, we've had some situations where the numbers looked good. We did have some kind of culture questions. Mm -hmm. Part of it was the values. Part of it was, you know, kind of the leadership dynamics and whether we, we had a sense that we could, we could work with th this team. Because to your earlier point, I think a lot of the, the acquisitions that do fail in companies, mm -hmm. it's often because there is that cultural misalignment. Right. And then the people leave. And the people leave, exactly. So, so we have walked away from some of those deals. And the, the last example that uh, you've mentioned to me is that the values also shape what you do in corporate social responsibility. Maybe you could talk a bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. We, uh, I, I guess a few ways that this has, uh, has played out. We, in 2018, which was a 75-year anniversary of the, of the company, we wanted to do something to recognize that and also to more formally kind of put, put our arms around corporate social responsibility. And so we came up with a banner of what we call Join, Act With Purpose. And what we wanted to do amongst other things that we're doing in the whole CSR area, but particularly on our 75 year anniversary, we wanted all of our employees around the world to, to volunteer in some sort of an activity that would be meaningful for them, for their site and their communities. Again, for us, that was entrepreneurial spirit, hmm. right? We didn't sort of dictate it out of our mm -hmm. small corporate office. Right, you pick what is most compelling. Exactly. You pick what's most compelling because also, you know, the, the, just the logistics of our and the realities of our facilities and operations around the world. You know, we have plants in Malaysia. We have commercial offices in India. We have distribution centers in, uh, in, in the U.S. What they can just physically do and what the needs of their communities are are very unique. And so, so we really kind of created this broad framework within which our employees could apply their own entrepreneurial spirit around what they could do. And so it was wonderful over the course of the year to see what our employees did. We captured them through uh, commentary as well as photos. We had our first uh, CSR report that we put out uh, at the end of 2018. And it, again, it was kind of a foundation um, for us on which we're now going to continue to build on our, on our CSR activities. It's a lot like your delegated authority and delegated strategy where 
you, you know, the values provide kind of a common lens to look at, but really the ownership and decision-making reside locally. Exactly. And we didn't, you know, it, it, we said we, we would like every site to do something and to provide the opportunity for our colleagues locally to participate in that. Mm -hmm. We didn't insist that everyone do it. Mm -hmm. we, didn't, we didn't put clear parameters around, you know, how much t company time should be taken. Um, we really gave flexibility and it was just wonderful to again see how that entrepreneurial spirit and make it fun. Right. I mean, there were a lot, of, a lot right. of activities that that were clearly, you look at the photos, you can see that there was real enjoyment. Let's talk about values through adversity. I mean, I think, you know, you often hear people say like, you really, you can put it on a poster, you can put it on a card, you can have, but it's how people behave in the tough times that really define their values. Yeah. And I know, you know, it's not all milk and honey when you're running a global company. Um, you've been through some challenging situations. Talk to me a bit about um, how the values help through tough times. We are a growth company. At the same time, we, we have had to make a number of tough decisions that have adversely affected people's jobs through no fault of their own. Shortly after I joined, we, we began a process as, as, a, as a global medical device company. We have manufacturing that's around the world and we entered into a multi-year uh, process of consolidating some of that manufacturing uh, globally, and which meant moving work out of particularly the US into some of our other uh, operating um, uh, plants. I remember when we talked with the board, um, again, this was shortly after I arrived, uh, they were rightly asking, well, how, how will our employees react to this? How, you know, do we have any concerns in terms of safety or absenteeism or sabotage that right. could happen, right? And we, we Particularly talk, with people being at the center of all that you do. Exactly, exactly. And this was really, I mean, we'd had some job loss in our history, um, but this was going to be significant. We were talking uh, about, you know, significant numbers of people over multiple years because of their involved right. transitions. So we, we talked honestly with the board and as a management team that if we really live by our core values, are honest with people, treat them with respect, that we really uh, have no reason to expect that we wouldn't have the same kind of, of care for the company and for our patients and the products that we manufacture as we're going through this time as we've had for all of the years prior. So we saw exactly that part. And, and one anecdote that I think really speaks to the power of living your core values, mm -hmm. um, our colleagues in our plant in Asheboro, North Carolina, um, we were going to be moving out some of that work and moving it to one of our plants in Mexico. And the, the need was for our colleagues in Mexico to come up and be trained by the employees in Asheboro on some of the work that needed to be Whose done. Whose jobs they were essentially going to exactly, be taking. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Tough. And so we had conversations with the employees, the affected employees in both sites around some cultural awareness. So for our Mexican colleagues, here's, here's what you'll culturally experience as you're up here for the couple of weeks um, getting trained and for our, our, uh, our North Carolina colleagues, likewise, for, for, for dealing with our, with our Mexican team. So we did some of that up front, but the way that our staff worked together was remarkable. Mm -hmm. At the end of the period of, of kind of that knowledge transference, the employees in our uh, Asheboro facility actually um, organized and, and put on um, kind of a, uh, a, a banquet for our Mexican colleagues to sort of symbolically thank them for taking now on the work 
they were going to be losing, but on behalf of the patients and, and uh, uh, needs around the world that our, our, our products uh, meet. Very symbolic. And I've never seen anything like that before. Uh, but I think, again, I think it really speaks to, to the, the values of our people, mm-hmm. the values of the company. What we further had with that group in Ashboro, and, and uh, they're just, they're, they're, they really represent, I think, the, the way that all Teleflex employees care for what we do. We've, we've had often plans don't go exactly right. right. <laughs> so we had some situations where we had some employees who left. It was their, their, their work had finished. And then for a variety of operational reasons, we needed to bring some people back. So you think about it, you that's know, tough. that's <laughs> tough. We had all of the employees that we needed to come back. It just was, it worked out very well. So to your, to your question about adversity, uh, I think it, it speaks to the power of being a values-based organization. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't mean that you, you don't have to tackle and, and make the tough decisions. Right. It absolutely shapes how you implement those tough mm-hmm. decisions. And by being values-based, it's been our experience that employees really respond in kind. And it's, it's quite impressive because, you know, the, that is the power of being values-based. The risk is that it, you're viewed as hypocritical. And so you've been able to somehow achieve the former while avoiding the latter. So, you know, for example, in the situation you described, it would have been very easy, I'm sure, for your, uh, you know, the, the workers in North America who were losing their jobs to say, this puts to lie that, you, that people are at the center of what you're doing because you're, you're forcing us to train our replacements. You know, or you've broken the trust with us. So how how have you navigated that to stay true to the values through very what must have been very difficult conversations? Yeah. Again, Bart, I, I don't know that it's any one particular thing. Mm-hmm. I guess I would say that, you know, the values of Teleflex are within the context of what we do as a company. Okay. And we talk about what we do as a company a lot. So so you know, with our employees, whether they be in Asheboro, North Carolina, or in Mexico, we are committed to providing globally medical technologies that are effective, mm-hmm. um, that are high quality, that are uh, cost effective um, in all of the, you know, the economic realities around the world. That means that we have to be competitive and our products need to be um, of the highest quality of the highest quality, and we need to generate a, a, an appropriate return for our shareholders. All of mm. those things, right, right. Are, are the context in which Teleflex operates and the context in which we have to live at our core values. So if people say, well, if you're a, if you're a, a values-based company, uh, how can you be closing uh, right. facilities? On the one hand, that's, that's a, if we were just a, 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 an organization whose whose uh, raison d'etre was to just employ people, <laughs> employ people <laughs> at or, any cost. Know, yeah, at any <laughs> right. cost. Well, of course. But uh, again, the context of what we do, I think our employees understand that. Does it, does it create some dissonance at times? Sure. But we spend a lot of time through our other communication vehicles. We have regular town halls. We have, um, uh, we have uh, a variety of ways that we help people understand the importance of the quality of our products, of ensuring uh, availability, of ensuring price competitiveness. Um, those are regular conversations we have. So, and I like the way you you frame it. So you're you know it, what you've really done is you've clearly articulated 
what your mission is at Teleflex and what success looks like. And the values are the way that you go about achieving exactly. that mission. Exactly. So it's, the values themselves are not your mission. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but they are how you do the work. Exactly. And that matters. And, that, and I think that's, that. I'm sure going back to your value of building trust, that really builds trust because you're able to articulate that and have that conversation much as you just did. Yeah. Yes. So when you look at companies that, or people who are listening who are saying, all right, I operate in an organization where there aren't values, or I operate in an organization where there are values that were dictated by the management team that don't jive with how we operate. What advice would you give to those people about beginning to move towards this kind of, um, I'll call it authentic values-based culture? I guess the, the advice I would start with is to recognize the critical importance of culture. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you would be familiar with the book, uh, uh, Culture Eats Strategy yes. for Lunch. So, I mean, you know, you can debate that. You can debate, you know, what is more important strategy or mm-hmm. culture. The point I would say is that culture is critically important. Mm-hmm. Okay, which whether, wherever you rank it, it's, it's, it's a very high priority. And I think um, you know my my first piece of advice, and probably the most important piece of advice for for leaders, is to really, really think soberly about what is the the culture of of a company, mm-hmm. which, which is a function I think of values, of the beliefs, of the assumptions of of the organization, right. and it starts with the leadership, but it needs to be embraced and um, nurtured mm-hmm. uh, throughout the whole company, and so. You know, there's different ways that you can get to that, and there's different ways that you can nurture that, whether it be through how you hire people mm-hmm. is, is the topic of values part mm-hmm. of the conversation that you have when you're recruiting folks. It's, I, I, have a, I have a question that I always ask uh, folks that I'm interviewing to join Teleflex, which is to say, you know, tell me about your core values and mm-hmm. tell me about a time when you were feeling that they were being compromised. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in asking that question, you find out, well, do they have any? Right. At least are they aware of right. it? Are they able to articulate something? Yeah, and when and when they have in the past, and, and the specifics are not as important. Or I'm not looking for people to you know share deep dark secrets, but the point is when they have been tested in the past, did you did you fold? Did you find some right. way to remain true to yourself? Those right. are important mm. questions in my mind. Uh, certainly for leaders uh, to to join the company. So so there's lots of things that you can do in recruiting in supporting um, performance feedback mm-hmm. and coaching, how you make decisions around what, what individuals get, get uh, promoted, right. particularly in the management positions, to have, have values, to have those elements of culture be part of mm-hmm. those decisions. I, that, what happens if, you're val- if you go through that process personally and you say, these are my values, this is what I stand for, here are moments where I've been pushed off, and you realize that the company that you're in has different values, articulated or otherwise. Yeah, well, I think I think it was actually Jim Collins, and I can't remember whether it's in Built to Last or Good to Great, but he he talked about you want to have a culture that is so strong. And again, I would say values are are a key component of culture, but a a, a, a culture that is so strong that when there are individuals who either come in or are in the organization and it's clear that there's a disconnect, that it's like a virus and that it, it, they, the, the virus needs to leave the system. Right. <laughs> um, because I think that's, and, and again, it's not to say 
that any any one set of, of values or any one one culture is better than another, but there is a uniqueness, and yes. not everybody would fit in every culture and and would share the same uh, core value set. There would be um, you know some organizations where I think you know the, having kind of a maverick culture mm-hmm. um, and a and a, a an individualist value set is very important and is a key to their success. Mm-hmm. That's not Teleflex, right? Right, and so um, I think in those situations, if I was one of those individuals, um, you know, I think you would you would want to obviously have tried to do everything you yeah. can to suss it out before you join, um, asking those sort of questions. Right. But if you're there and it's and it's not working, I think it it really needs to be like that virus metaphor. And, and you need to, you need personally need to exit the host. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. Well, it's true. I mean. Uh, as you know, you know, we've long been committed to teaching leadership communication skills. And you know, we've really come to believe over the last several years that the skills that you need to inspire have evolved from just persuasion to what we also call reflection and connection. And in the reflection piece, we think to, you know, to inspire others to action, you're asking them to adopt new beliefs or even uh, different values. You better know darn well what your own are. Yeah. And that People are looking for that from their leaders more than ever. So I think, you know, when you can come to an organization where there is that mesh, it just sets everyone up for success. Well, Ken, this has been a great conversation. You know, I, you know, I think values are something that gets talked about a lot. But to hear of a company that is so decentralized but was able to bring 2,000-plus people together over a multi-year process to get to four values, define what they mean, and then continue to live them in everything that they do, I mean, it's a real success story. Uh, and, you know, I certainly, you know, as, as an owner and as a CEO, values are critically important to me and how we operate as a company. I, back when I started building the business, I very much aspired to build a certain kind of company, one where we came together to build something special and where we shared a passion for the work. Uh, and so I'm, I always like, I always get re-energized hearing about companies on your scale that they're able to do it. And it's, it's a good reminder to me to keep the dialogue going. Absolutely. And, and actually, that's special is the word that often comes mm-hmm. to mind, which, again, there's lots of contributors to that. But it does, what you're describing here with Humphrey Group, what I feel we have at Teleflex is special. And part of my role is to make sure that as we, you know, as we grow past $3 billion in revenue and past $20 billion in market cap, that we maintain that special um, uniqueness that I think really uh, is allowing us to compete for not just business results, but also for talent. Well, kudos to you. And for anyone listening who wants to read up, I mean, you've mentioned some great books. Um, any recommendations on resources that people could uh, consult to kind of go on their own values journey? Well, I would recommend the Culture Strategy for Lunch. If I, I reread that actually uh, last year, I know it's a, it's it's been around for a while. Still relevant, uh, but I think it is. I think it is relevant. Um, I do also think that uh, the, you know the work that Jim Collins did uh, was was uh, very useful for me. So those would be two good recommendations two, uh, two that come to mind. Good. Well, thanks for taking the time and sharing your wisdom. On thanks the for the opportunity. Podcast. Great to great. great to explore this. I hope you enjoyed my conversation today with Cam Hicks, Teleflex, and what's really, I think, an incredible story of how you can take such a globally diverse group of people and acquire massive numbers of companies and then 
knit everyone together with values. A lot to take away for anyone. Even if you're not doing M&A, you probably have a team and values are important to you. Next time on the Inspire Podcast is uh, I'm not actually going to announce my guests. I've got a few surprises in the works, but I can tell you it's going to be focused on International Women's Day. If you don't know already, this year's International Women's Day will take place on Sunday, March the 8th. And the theme this year is each for equal. You know, the idea that everyone is uh, better off when we have a world with true gender equity. And as you know, if you've listened to this podcast, we're far from that lofty goal. So I'll have a guest or guests on to tackle why that is and what we can do about it. Until then, go forth and inspire.